this has been the most extraordinary experience of my entire life. to go on a little adventure together and that adventure is going to span 17 years of music how does that sound welcome to the acoustic set the top rope thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen it is officially my 37th birthday so i thought this would be a good time to come back and give you guys an episode i know there hasn't been much really on the movie side of things there were a couple that i saw you know in late september the equalizer 3 expendables saw x which i was even dragged to um and uh equalizer 3 was good expendables 4 not so much, and I'm a huge Stallone fan, and I'm a huge fan of that franchise, and it just severely underwhelmed. And then Saw X is just, you know, the Saw movies are what they are. There was nothing new, groundbreaking about it. Box office-wise, not really too much going on. Um, Exorcist came out during that time, uh, a couple of other horror movies. and they've, They've all done pretty decent, but nothing really, you know, spectacular going on. October was, October was really going to be the start of everything, which brings us to today's episode and what's on today's doc. Uh, Taylor Swift has officially arrived in movie theaters. Her Eras concert movie debuted this past weekend, and we'll talk about the box office and all of that. And I got like a lot of thoughts as far as like the future, what it holds, you know, for our industry. Um, as I've mentioned several times on this show, I do work at a movie theater, so a lot of positive i think to take away from this past weekend in the debut of taylor swift's era tour which um really was kind of groundbreaking and trailblazing in what she did because uh, we've had concert films before right and again we'll get deep into it as we get into the middle of this podcast but um let's really get into the box office right let's 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 look at the top five from this past week again everything's kind of like before October was kind of just been like meh, like in the middle of September, all of that. You know, late August was all right with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, um, uh, you know, the, the fallout of Barbie and Oppenheimer, which were still making a lot of money during that time. But September was oh, all right. But now we're really in it now with Taylor Swift and also with this weekend, the release of Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. And surprise, folks, I will be reviewing that film towards the end of this episode. So along with Taylor Swift, there's going to be Martin Scorsese talk. Got to check that out. That was my birthday movie this week. So again, I'm turning 37. Um, 
I'm feeling it more in my knees every single day into my body and just been feeling very nostalgic and you know there's the present of how our industry is and then there's of course the past and nostalgia of Martin Scorsese who's still delivering at a high level I was revisiting his filmography this week and man uh I'm glad he's still around and making films and you'll get once we get to my review of Killers of the Flower Moon you'll see why he's still a man um so without further ado let's get into the top five box office uh films of this past weekend so at number five we had the creator which has been a severe disappointment and original sci-fi film which i hope would have resonated with audiences but hasn't clicked uh made about 4.3 million this weekend for a total of 32 overall i know the movie didn't cost as much it's a big budget science fiction film but it, it actually really only cost 80 million. But if you look at it, if you saw the trailers and the marketing, it really was, it looked like a 200 plus million dollar movie. Now this is a lesson that Marvel could probably take from because it, it looks incredible. I'll give them that much. I haven't seen the movie, but, uh, I've walked in on it a couple of times and it just looks fantastic. So I, I mean, good job for them pulling up the budget on that. But unfortunately the box office returns aren't seeing the same. So not good on that end. At number four, Saw X. Bringing in 5.6 million for a total of 41. Uh, I'll give Saw, Saw X this. It was never one, number one at the box office, um, when it debuted, and, but it did make back its budget. Again, these Saw movies aren't really, um, they don't cost a lot to make. And that's why there's been like so many of them. We're in the 10th one. This isn't the only 10th movie we've had this year. That's just, you know, incredible, an incredible feat. But again, yeah, these movies don't, don't take a lot to make. So they easily make make back their money so 41 million though considering the last iteration of this whether you want to look at spiral or jigsaw that didn't even come close to this this is pretty good for the franchise moving forward at number three paw patrol the mighty movie 6.8 million bringing its total to about 50 million um pretty decent for a kid's movie um i think it already outdid the original so uh this is looking like a franchise. I'll probably make another one. Um, at number two, The Exorcist Believer, critically panned, um, made about ten point nine million this weekend for a total of forty four. Now I know the budget was probably not big on this, but they did buy The Exorcist rights for a lot of money, and they're planning a trilogy out of this. So, not looking good for a first movie in a trilogy. So, um, but you know. It's guaranteed. It's they're going to release it during Halloween season, so there'll always be an audience for it. So uh, I don't have any doubt that these next two movies aren't going to get made. So, and then of course number one, Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, the biggest concert film I think in history, biggest opening, ninety-two million. Um, that's just incredible. That's great for us. You know, we need different type of content because, as I've mentioned, or I didn't mention, but. Really not much has happened uh, since the last time we spoke. The Other than the writers are now officially off strike. They've cut a deal. But with that, we still have the actors on strike. So there's still a lot pending there. So everything's kind of at a standstill. But Taylor Swift really gave us a jolt uh, to, to movie theaters with her opening. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun weekend. A lot of, you know, the female demographic coming out to support her. Uh, merchandise was selling well, popcorn buckets, cups, people dressing up. Wasn't quite as big as, you know, the Barbie phenomenon, but, you know, still nice to see that that audience is catered to, which I've mentioned this plenty of times. They're severely underserved 
in the movie theaters. And I know people are saying, oh, it's it's a concert film. It's not really a movie. Yeah, well, it's still, you know, the business is changing. It's evolving. And we'll get to that later. But it's nice to see. It's great for us. We'll take any victories that we can get. Hell, if we can make money off of, you know, they just announced uh, that Chosen show, um, which is a series, you know, a Christian series. It's, uh, I believe, available through, like, Angel Studios app. Uh, they're going to be doing their whole season uh, upcoming in early 2024. And people turn out for those things. And if it generates revenue for us, the theater, we'll take it. You know, we, we got to find different options for revenue, um, especially right now with the strike still going on. So this is a win-win for everybody, for Taylor Swift, her fans, and then, of course, for people that are in the movie theater industry because it's just another different way to to create revenue for us. So kudos all around. Um, that's the box office for this week. Um, like I said, Killers of the Flower Moon will be making its premiere this weekend. Um, I think it's going to strongly challenge Taylor Swift for number one. Uh, I think there's going to be a huge dip because of most of the fan base, the diehards, they went this past weekend. So um, I think there'll be a huge drop. It'll be super competitive. She may end up coming up number one because her ticket prices are higher than your standard movie ticket. Um, but I think Killers of the Flower Moon, what it's got going for it is the fact that it's got Leonardo DiCaprio one. It's a Martin Scorsese movie, and he's got a track record for his his stuff being real good. And also, there's not really that much more left on the docket for this year, so it's gonna have long set of legs. Uh, and as we enter the Oscar season, it's getting already a lot of awards buzz, so it's got a lot working in its favor. So even if it doesn't win the weekend, it's definitely gonna leg out, and it's gonna make uh, plenty of money, and, and it's good for the older audience. It's gonna be right up there with like the likes of Oppenheimer. I don't, I don't think it'll make as much, but it'll have that same crowd coming to it. And, and you know, after seeing it tonight, I definitely want to go check it out again. Um, I thought it was that engaging, but uh, I, I am expecting a, a good battle this weekend at the box office. So that's my take on that. Um, I want to shift gears real quickly to um, a celebrity who passed away yesterday. And um, the only reason it makes me sad is because it's a someone who's a part of my favorite movie of all time, and that's Rocky. Um, Burt Young, who played the character of Polly, passed away at age 83, I believe. Incredible life, but this is always the character that he's going to be known for. Um, you know, as a watching these movies as a kid, you know, that character was always like just annoying. And then by, by the time part four rolled around, he was a goof. And then part five was, you know, he was just uh, an over the top character. Um, but seeing him return in Rocky Balboa, uh, we saw a different side of more very, very weary, very regretful type person. And then watching these movies again as an adult, like you see a different perspective on Polly and his thoughts on stuff and his feelings and all that stuff, all these hidden emotions and all that stuff. So you really see it in a different light as an adult. And he's passed away, unfortunately, but we'll always have the Rocky movies to look back. And he brought us so many great memories as the character of Polly. So rest in peace, Burt Young. Uh, thank you for everything. We'll be back. Yo, Polly. 31 years. I give him 31 years. 31 years freezing. For what? It stinks. 
My life stinks. <laughs> what have I done? Nothing, Rocco, nothing. Why didn't I die instead of my sister? <laughs> I miss my sister, Rocco. I miss her. I really miss her. <laughs> oh, why am I here? And she's not. She never hurt nobody, Rocco. all I had, Rocco. Now you're all I have. And you never let me down. And I treat you bad, too. <laughs> Why do I do that, Rocco? Still my best friend, Paulie. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> my very crazy best friend. <laughs> what am I going to do now, Rock? <laughs> what do you want to do? Can I move back in the house? Sure, but what about your girlfriend? If I'm going to be lonely, I'd rather be lonely with you. And she snores. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be great if you'd move back in. Okay, I appreciate sure. this, Rocco. So I. Here, let me help you with this stuff. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> it's good to have you back. I missed you. I missed you. See you back at the house. Okay. Okay. Hey, Rock. Yeah. It takes guts climbing back in that ring knowing you're going to take a beating. Thanks, Paul. Hey, Rock. You're going to do all right, Rocco. How do you know that? The stuff in the basement. <laughs> Thanks, boy. Welcome back to the show. That was a uh, deleted scene from Rocky Balboa uh, featuring Rocky and Polly, and it's a... Uh, it's kind of like an extended scene of, of what you see in the movie, but, uh, definitely a little bit longer and you can tell some of the dialogue there is a little, kind of goes for a bit, but it's, it's just, it felt natural and kind of just wanted to showcase that and the range that Burt Young brought to the character of Polly. And I know Stallone, I think, is working on a new cut of Rocky Balboa, uh, hopefully to release on 4K. So if he does, I hope he includes this scene in that cut because it really does, uh, the scene is just so natural and fits the story and everything that's going on in that movie. So uh, I just thought I'd share that with you all if you've never seen it. Uh, of course, check out Rocky Balboa. Check out all the Rocky movies just for just to reminisce on, on uh, Burt Young's career and his performance as Paulie throughout the years has just been awesome. But uh, moving on, uh, let's talk about the success of the Eras Tour concert film. 
So as I mentioned earlier, it opened to 92 million, well, well on its way to over a hundred million at the box office after this weekend. Um, so, so what does this mean? What, what did we learn from this weekend? Um, is this a one-time thing? Is this, um, the future? Um, I think, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, there's going to be, you know, aftermath, there's going to be copycat, um, the next one that's going to try to do this and try to capitalize it is Beyonce. Uh, she has a film coming out in December, and I believe she's doing the same thing that Taylor Swift did. And, and why this is such a big deal is because she bypassed the studios, which they're all on strike right now, and went directly to an exhibitor, went to AMC, struck a deal to release her film. Of course, other different theaters, including the ones that I work at, uh, were able to access this film and showcase it to her many fans around the country. So with somebody like her, not now not, not everybody's gonna be able to get away with this. I think Taylor Swift, uh, without a doubt, is the biggest name right now in pop culture. She's everywhere, uh, including the National Football League. She's um I don't know, dating or hanging out with uh tight end uh Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's just all this hoopla right now around it and it's just amplifying. And yes, she's a the biggest name. She's in the biggest zeitgeist of her career in pop culture right now is Taylor Swift and she's she was smart to capitalize on this because there's not many other movies right now in the pipeline that can come out and really compete with it yeah there's there's certain ones including Killers of the Flower Moon but besides that like this was the perfect opportunity for her to strike and and do something like this and it's kind of revolutionary I'm sure it's pissed off all the studios because now they don't benefit from any of the the revenue that she's brought in for this movie, which was for sure going to do a lot of business. Um, we had sold out shows all weekend. Like I mentioned, our merchandise that we were selling, popcorn buckets and cups, all of that sold super quickly. Um, so here's, here's what I think Taylor Swift should do next in terms of like, if she were to do something like this again, she would definitely draw out that same crowd and, and bring in this kind of revenue. So back in the day when I was a kid, um, I had a VHS copy of a little film called Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Now, I spoke to a mutual friend about this, and, and I even mentioned this. This is what she should do next to capitalize on that popularity. So what that film or concert film, however you want to put it, it was like a hybrid. So Michael Jackson really was ahead of his time. Um, so it was like a concert film, like it had clips of different shows that he had done throughout his career, but it was also like integrated into like a long video form into a movie of, of one of his songs. So, um, so basically it's a smooth criminal, but it's like this really short, like kind of like an extended short film. And, you know, it had Joe Pesci and all that stuff. And it was, it was just this great hybrid of having his music, Inter, interact and interweave with this short um, short film and I think Taylor Swift should really capitalize and do something like this now her songs are pretty deep and there's a lot of story behind it very a lot of poetic and more like it's it's stuff like beyond the surface right like of course she has her regular pop radio songs but then there's stuff that you really deep dive in, which I did. I, you know, I did my research on this. I did some homework. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there to create a short film or a plethora of short films and combine it into this one big 
event and you can release it as a theatrical feature. Um, I really think that should be the next move for her. And, you know, just looking at, you know, there's going to be copycats and all that stuff. But right now she's the biggest name and that's the biggest, you know, thing that she could do next. And she will draw that audience because, you know, her fans are, they're diehards, they're rabid. I get all of that. I'm not going to even try to make fun of it or anything like that. I get it. Like, you know, I'm a diehard fan of Tom Brady. I buy his merch. I buy, you know, whatever that he sells. I'm always into um, philosophies. You know, I, I use that in my routines, in my professional workplace. You know, I, I I feed off of that and I use all that stuff. So I get the the fandom and all that stuff. So uh, kudos to her and kudos to her fan base for, for following her and doing all that. Um, with also, with that being said, um, I, I know a lot of Taylor Swift's most of, most of like the, the stuff that everybody's heard of more, more the, you know, the known songs, but I decided to do a deep dive and I wanted to do like a top 10 of my, I guess, favorites of hers. And these are not going to be like in any order, like, you know, the top three for sure. Like those are like my favorites. But, um, so what I did was I, I searched on Spotify. I was like, do I want to go? album by album, like in order, I was like, eh, that's, I'm a really random person at heart. So I was like, you know what? There was a tab on there that's a Taylor Swift complete collection. And boom, I just hit the shuffle on that and went into like this deep dive. Literally, that's all that's been playing in my car for almost about a week now. So, and I'm still not even finished with it. So, um, and there's a lot of good stuff here. And, um, and I, I didn't see the Eras Tour concert film. Uh, I've walked in on it plenty of times just to kind of get a vibe and the atmosphere. So I, I pretty much know what it is and I've seen some of the stuff and it's, it's shot really well. looks awesome. Um, and just watching her perform and this is just my, my take and my opinion, right? Of course. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I think a big reason why she resonates with a lot of her fan base right now, why she's so big and and I think a lot of it goes in her performance and the way she performs her music and the stuff that I saw that was presented on the screen. Um, she looks as if it were someone like how you would pretend to do a concert in your own home. Like that's the way she performs. I'm not, it's not a knock on her. I'm just saying it looks like that. So I think a lot of females can relate to that. They'd be like, this is exactly how I would perform her music at home doing a concert. So that's what it looks like. So it's more relatable. So you know, I didn't really see much of the uh, choreography or very machine-like. Like if you were watching like a Britney Spears or a Beyonce where it looks very mechanical and not relatable. It's like, man, they're doing like crazy stuff. And yeah, like Taylor Swift has some, you know, dance moves and stuff like that. But more than often than not, looks like she's just, you know, having fun out there, you know. And that I think that's – she's more relatable in that sense. You know, when you watch someone like Beyonce doing the moves that she does sometimes, it's like, whoa, like only Beyonce can do those kind of moves. So it kind of makes it not relatable and very like more mythical as opposed to like Taylor who's more – looks more grounded. Looks more grounded in reality and the young people can relate to that. And, of course, the lyrics and some of that stuff go beyond like a regular pop song if you really read, in, re, read into it. Um so that that's another reason why she gets points because, you know, you had your Britney Spears and your Beyonce's, you know, a lot of their songs are like manufactured and she doesn't, they don't write them. Let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, I think, I believe Taylor Swift writes most of her music. If, if I'm wrong, 
feel free to call me out on that. But I, I, I've had, I've talked to many people who are huge fans of hers and they all say that she writes her own music. So I'm going to take them for their word. Um, the other thing that she gets huge points for me for is her ability to dive into different genres. So I, I believe she started out as country a little bit and then that quickly transitioned into pop. Um, but she's also ventured into the alternative slash indie genre. And, you know, a lot of artists can take that path or do something like so derivative of what they've done and it fails. But a lot of this stuff has really resonated with her fan base. And she's even done some songs with some artists who I never thought that she would interact with. Like there's a song on here on my list that she performs with The National. It's one of my favorite alternative bands. And the blending of her into that music is so seamless and it's awesome that she does uh, stuff like this. And she's popped up in a couple of different, you know, artists that I've downloaded from um, the alternative genre and she pops up and it's like Taylor Swift does music like this. Like that, that kudos to her. And that kind of gives me, you know, makes me a little bit more of a fan of hers. Um, and not to say that I wasn't, I'm just not a diehard. I'm not a, a Swifty, right? I still don't even consider myself that. Um, I'm, I'm not some expert, even after this deep dive that I did. Um, I don't really consider myself a diehard, but I do enjoy her music for the most part. It, when I was shuffling through this complete collection, um, it was all very listenable, uh, you know, different variations. There's the stuff where you can really reminisce and think about an X or there's the fun stuff where you can just jam out, like where it's just, it's just fun pop music. Um, so with that being said, Let's get into my top 10 favorite Taylor Swift songs. And this may change over time. You know, I've, I've grown accustomed to listening to a chunk of her albums already, but in no particular order. So at number 10, it's Haunted. Um, number nine, Lavender Haze. And number eight, as I mentioned that one earlier with the national called the Alcott. Um, number seven, Castles Crumbling featuring Haley Williams. Now that song makes me think of a specific somebody, so that one did hit a little bit more with me. Um, and I won't, of course I won't reveal who the person is, but it does make me uh, think about that certain person when that song pops up. So, uh, kudos to her on that. Um, Endgame, Fearless at number five, number four, Willow, which that one was part that I saw, um, in her performance in the Eras tour concert film. And that was a pretty badass song. Uh, number three, The Man. Uh, makes me think of Becky Lynch. So there's that love story, which is I've heard it in multiple movie trailers. And it was also featured on The Bear in season two. So, she, again, she's integrated herself into so many pop cultural moments. And I just think it's a really, really good song. And every time it pops up, I'll I'll dial up to like 30 plus in my car and, and jam out to that song. And number one is Today Was a Fairy Tale. Um, it was from the motion picture Valentine's Day, which I believe released in 2011. Um, reminds me of my time with my company where I was working in the Houston location. We don't have them anymore, but we have a, we had two Houston locations and I was working over there when that movie came out. And, um, I remember during the end credits hearing this song a lot and I just really liked it. It was a fun pop song. It just makes me think of the rom-com movies, uh, Valentine's Day in particular, just a fun movie, fun song, and uh, of course, just makes me reminisce about that time. So uh, there, there's a lot of Taylor Swift out there. There's a lot of 
stuff that you I don't want to dissect any of the lyrics and stuff. And most of the time, that's not really what I get out of music. There's some songs where I'm like, yeah, it's about the lyrics. But for the most part, it's about the feeling and, and where it takes me back to. And I guess that's why I'm still very into like alternative and indie rock is that it takes me back to the time where I was watching the OC or One Tree Hill and just it puts me in that mood. But there are a couple of songs on here that maybe did make me think about a couple of my romantic, you know, encounters, relationships, or feelings of the past. And in a good way, it's all the good stuff, none, nothing negative. So, um, but there's just that, that one specific song, song that Castle's Crumbling that just makes me think of a certain someone. And they're still in my mind to this day. So, um, Taylor Swift, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> but those are my 10 songs that stood out to me from her. And again, there's many others. Again, I've enjoyed most of her stuff. I think the, the only album where I really wasn't into was really her first one. It was because I think she was still like, I think she was still trying to dive into the the country genre. And I love country, but I don't know her, her first album just didn't really hit with me. I was able to listen to the songs, but nothing memorable. But everything after that, there's just so much diversity, and it's so different each album. Uh, some very pop, and then some very like. Whoa, there's like a lot of stuff going on in here. Um, and then of course, all the different stuff that she's been featured on with different artists, including alternative bands like The National and Fallout Boys, stuff like that. So, um, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I'll, and I'll finish off the compilation, the complete collection, which I'm still going through. I mean, she's, she's actually been around forever. So, um, almost two decades worth of music. So that's, pretty incredible and like i said i think going forward for her next project she should really do like a michael jackson's moonwalker type of thing because it would do wonders in our theaters and that's going to do it for taylor swift talk um let's take one final break when we come back my advanced review of martin scorsese's killers of the flower moon starring leonardo dicaprio and robert de niro this is palace off the top rope we'll be right back You know, you got you got nice color skin. What color would you say that is? My color. Oh, Sage. They have the worst land possible. But they outsmarted everybody. The land had oil on it. Black gold. Money flows freely here now. I do love that money, sir. (laughs) (laughs) This wealth should come to us. Their time is over. It's going to be another tragedy. When this money starts coming... We should have known it came with something else. They're like buzzards circling our people. We're still warriors. I ought to kill these white men who killed my family. I need you here. got to take back control of your home. 
I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. See what about them? See who's doing it. Expecting a miracle to make all this go away. You know they don't happen anymore. Welcome back to the show, and let's end things with a new review of a movie that is opening this weekend in theaters everywhere. Um, I won't say too much on it just because it's so brand new and hopefully if you're going out to see it and if you're listening to this, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to ruin it. So, and usually my reviews are spoiler free. They're more my thoughts and overall tone of movies and, you know, uh, the acting, the screenplay, not really so much plot details, but, um, Killers of the Flower Moon from director Martin Scorsese, DiCaprio, De Niro, um, this is one of the best movies of the year, folks. Um, I, I mentioned Oppenheimer as, I think, the best of the year. That's like 1A. Killers of the Flower Moon is easily like 1B. Like, this is going to be a fun Oscar season. I think it's going to come down to these two movies and these two directors, um, Scorsese and, and and Nolan for best director. Um, you're going to see nominations for DiCaprio for best actor. Uh, De Niro is right up there with Robert Downey Jr. for Best Supporting Actor. He was just super incredible in this movie. He was the MVP for me. Um, super electric. The, the kind of performance that you get from De Niro in a Scorsese movie. He was in the last one, The Irishman, but Al Pacino really stole that movie. And I think De Niro channeled what Pacino did, and he brought his version of it to this uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. He was just a freaking on another level than everybody else. And, and I... Revisited some early De Niro Scorsese films, you know, Raging Bull, uh, The King of Comedy, which, by the way, was one of my first time watches, The King of Comedy, and I thought De Niro was just so incredible in that movie. He brought that level of a performance, at least from my eyes, like, like that just really dialed in and in sync with that character, um, he does here in, in Killers. Um, production design, there's gonna be a lot of Oscar nominations for that. Uh, Lily Gladstone is going to be in the running for Best Actress. She was incredible in this. The movie's three and a half hours long, but you absolutely do not feel it because you get into the story from the get-go. And that's kind of the way it is with Scorsese is that he gets into these narratives and they just they just go like at a speed, even though the runtime is so long, but the, the story is moving so fast and you're getting involved in these people's lives and, and everything that's happening in the story. It's just, oh, man, just... I'm so glad we're still getting movies like this. And now these feel like the event movies more than, you know, the superhero movies, which is always the talk on the internet, you know, between ever since Scorsese made his comments about how he feels about those kind of movies. But we, we've sort of been saturated with that stuff over the last couple of years that those kind of just feel like they feel outdated now and boring and movies like this and Oppenheimer now feel like the event movies and we're kind of seeing the, the tide change a little bit along with the evolution of, of stuff like Taylor Swift's The Eras Tours. Um, 
it's great to have these two like very different types of you know film uh content's the wrong word but this is cinema man at its highest peak and the fact that scorsese's like i got i gotta say i believe he's in his 80s and he's still you know you watch this and you watch something like casino or goodfellas and it's or wolf of wall street and it's like how is he still doing it at this level like we really need to appreciate guys like martin scorsese who are giving us these type of stories and very complex films where it's not really you know you have someone like dicaprio who's a huge movie star and very likable but he plays these characters in these scorsese films that are very flawed and a lot of like does a lot of immoral stuff or stuff that you'd be like man what a piece of crap um but that that's just the genius of scorsese and getting actors like him and De Niro to pull off performances like that, um, especially with this type of um, stories that they're trying to tell and still stuff that we're dealing with in today's society, like the stories uh, set in the very past, but it's very resonant with stuff still going on today. So Scorsese is very good about having his finger on the pulse of what's going on in, as far as like the world goes. Um, I mean, the supporting cast is also great. Jesse Plemons pops in at about like maybe like the two hour mark, I believe. And he's great in this. He's another one of those young actors that are continuing to take on these nice little supporting roles. And he's this great character actor. Brendan Fraser makes an appearance here and he's good with what's given to him. Um, yeah, everybody's great in this. Everybody's bringing their A game. It's definitely going to be nominated for best picture. Like I said, it, I believe. It's down to this and Oppenheimer, I, th- I think, because this was really, you know, once I saw Oppenheimer, I was like, it's going to be real hard to top this. And I think the only one that could have matched it, I said, would, would be Killers of the Flower Moon. And Scorsese does it again, man. Um, I think um, the Academy will recognize it this year, um, maybe for director. Um, but I, I really think Oppenheimer will take best picture. And again, the best supporting actor race is going to be down to the wire, but I have to maybe see it again and maybe I got to see Oppenheimer one more time. I've seen that one twice. Uh, but De Niro's right up there with Downey Jr. for these supporting actor performances that are very nuanced and very kind of different from what they usually do. So that's the other thing that makes it special. And those are, these are two great movies that hopefully you've gotten to experience in the theater. Um, at least with Oppenheimer and Killers, I hope you do get the chance to see it on the big screen. Um, it was funny in the show I was watching uh, next to it was the Taylor Swift film, and during the quiet moments, you get to hear like the concert vibe happening next door. So it wasn't like super distracting to me, but it was just it, it's crazy like the different types of uh, films that are out right now at the theater. But it's nice to see there's there's room for everything to be successful uh, in the movie theater industry. Um, but I'm glad, you know, that Paramount got the distribution rights for this. It's an Apple film. So they got another one coming out this year, Napoleon with Joaquin Phoenix. So Apple's producing some really good, uh, really big theatrical films that are going to be distributed on the big screen. And then they'll, they'll be put on their streaming platform later on. So Apple's got, we'll see with Napoleon, but they've got a, a sure winner here. And Killers of the Flower Moon, which I believe will be a, it's already a critical success. I think it's sitting at 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I've read a chunk of the reviews and, you know, 
I know Rotten Tomatoes can sometimes be misleading, um, and it's not really the true gauge for what's hitting with audiences. But um, I really think this is going to have huge legs in the coming weeks. Um, you know, even with movies like the Marvels coming out, and you know, the I, the competition is really going to be very, very low. So Killers is going to have definite, you know, chances to stick around for a while. And and then again, once the Golden Globes and Oscar nominations are announced, either we'll still have it or it'll at least be brought back to along with, you know, like Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer will return as well uh, once the Oscars are announced. Um, but yeah, go check this one out. I highly recommend it. Um, if you're not going to see Taylor Swift, uh, you know, if you want a, a really good film to check out with with great performances, a great story, um, great production design, um, yeah, the costumes are all good. I mean, just there, there's a there's a costume that I want to do for Halloween that I saw De Niro's character that he he wears like these. I don't know if they're. I guess they're like kind of like goggles, but it's with like a cowboy hat and it's a suit. I'm like, man, I want to do that as a Halloween costume. Daniel Tucker, I'll be messaging you about this for sure, and and you'll get it. Um, that just very stylistic, and and of course it's it's got all the Scorsese tropes, so you know you're watching a Martin Scorsese film. And there's just he does a lot of interesting things, including like the finale, the way he finishes the movie. It's like that was some like innovative stuff that I had never seen before. So even at his age, he's still giving us um, stuff to chew on, stuff to think about, and neat stuff. You know, he could easily f- phone it in and do something like Casino, which, you know, a lot of people thought he was phoning it in or being safe with that. But I rewatched it the other day, and it's just, just one of the great, you know, American crime movies that we have, along with, like, Goodfellas and all the other stuff that he's done. Like, he just creates masterpiece after masterpiece do i want to say that for killers of the flower moon is it a masterpiece i don't know i, I it may take another viewing it like i said the length is long but it doesn't feel like it but i did drink a lot of soda which i hadn't drank in a while um so i drank a lot of it just to make sure you know i was in the zone and not falling asleep not that i would be bored but you know i just at my age like there's times where i'll just doze off and i didn't mean to so i wanted to make sure i was wired and ready to go but I did drink too much, so I did have to get up at one point to use the restroom, but uh, I, I made sure it was at a point where I knew I could keep going with the story. So, But if I did miss anything, I do want to check it out one more time just for clarification, but it is one of the best movies of the year, and it's definitely worth your time and your money if you enjoy films of high caliber from a, a top director in Scorsese who still you know, feels like he's in his prime. Um and, of course, DiCaprio is always great. But De Niro, for me, was the show stealer. And his performance will get nominated. And, I mean, him and Downey Jr., man, it's going to be a fun Oscar race between these two movies because they are so top-notch. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Again, 37 years old. Uh, thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday on social media, calls, the texts, and all that stuff. Uh, just... Um, appreciate all of them they make me really happy just to take time out of your day to wish me a happy birthday i truly appreciate it and it's great to be back we're in the fall season for sure kickoff of of oscar season and all that i've been gone you know doing the football show with abraham trevino and jake ramirez the two minute drive podcast 
Um, I wanted to take this opportunity to apologize to my co-hosts um, for our technical difficulty as far as like I we recorded this week's episode on Zoom and I was converting the file. I went went to bed because it was a long day and when I woke up, uh, for some reason it didn't convert or download at all and I've been spending all of my time uh, before recording this trying to retrieve it and I couldn't so the episode is lost for this week but I do apologize to them. I apologize to the audience for that, the Two Minute Drive podcast. We will continue to do this show every week, so be on the lookout for that. So if you're an, a listener of both shows, so I apologize for for that side of the things. But um, I'll be trying to come back here regularly just to update you. There's a lot of fun stuff happening on wrestling. Uh, hopefully the actor strike will be over soon. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, the writer strike is finally over with. We just need the other half of it, and we can keep going. And a lot of these movies can continue to finish or just continue uh, and get in the early stages of filming and all that stuff. So um, a lot of interesting stuff down the pipeline. Um, good stuff um, coming up movie-wise for the Oscar season. And some fun uh, just, you know, Hollywood-type movies that we're not used to getting. But we're going to get some this Christmas. I'll talk about that on next, next week's episode. But just want to end it for now. Scorsese, Taylor Swift. Go check out one or the other or both. Have a good time at the movies this weekend. Um, good stuff is out right now. Um, you can follow this podcast on um, all the socials, Facebook, X, Instagram. Search Palace off the top rope and follow there. I do distribute this podcast through my social media pages through podbean.com. You can download the app to listen there. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Pandora, anywhere where you can get a podcast. I'm pretty sure if you search Palace off the top rope, you can find all the episodes, including the Two Minute Drive podcast, which feeds through that if you're into NFL and football, that we cover specifically just that. Um, it's not part of the, it's not a spinoff show, it's its own thing, but it does get feed off through that channel, so go support. Um, we do have the social medias for those pages, and um, yeah, um, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if I return next week and if there's more developments. Definitely, you know, for sure there'll be an episode once the actor strike comes to a close and um, we'll see where we're going in the Oscar race and other stuff that's coming out soon. So thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you. God bless you. We'll see you on the next episode.